first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us at the Playroom today, Bill. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm real excited to be here. Anytime, anytime. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we're in the season of shopping. We're in the summer, you know, and and a lot of people, I mean, every season is always going to be a shopping season, but I think... (laughs) This year, most importantly, I think people want to really recover and enjoy what they missed last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, things are going to just crank up through the end of the year. I mean, we got Father's Day coming up, and then after Father's Day, we got the 4th of July. After the 4th of July, Prime Day. And then after Prime Day, you know, it's just time flies. You get to Christmas in no time. Exactly. Exactly. I would love people to tell, like, I would love you to tell people more about yourself, what you do and who you are. Yes, so my name's Bill, and I'm the CMO of Shipmate Fulfillment. Uh, We're a family-run, 300,000-square-foot distribution center, and we work with a lot of uh, small to medium-sized brands that are selling products online, and they do some B2B. But we help them do their uh, order fulfillment, so we help them take in all their orders, manage that, make sure that their packages get out to their customers in a... uh, you know, within a specified amount of time. Mm. So we do a lot of inventory management. We do a lot of uh, prep work and we do a lot of shipping. That's amazing. One of the things I love about your website is that you say there's no bullshit. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> no bullshit. You know, because that, that, that. I mean, when you work with a company like this, there's a lot of fees. And we like to make sure that, you know, things are kind of transparent up front. And, you know, that we there's no funny business going on. Because right. some people, you know, try to hide things and, you know, fine print. But it's important to be up front, you know, lay out expectations and everything right up front. And make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. It, it would be nice to know more about branding for e-commerce and how that plays for literally the whole game for everybody. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've been doing branding for... You know, small brands for a very long time. I, I, I started selling on my own when I was like 13, 14 years old. I had a small eBay store and, you know, we, we'd do some sales. But as I got to college, you know, throughout college, I've worked on probably 15, 16 small internet brands over my time. And, uh, you know, we, we started off adapting old brands that were in uh, stores, right? So store brands, things you buy at Sears or things you buy at. Kohl's or Walmart, but you know, a lot of these retailers were beginning to close. So we transitioned a bunch of these brands that have been around since the eighties and turned them into e-commerce brands. And throughout that practice, we learned a lot of things. We learned what works, what doesn't work, uh, what we can do differently, how we can adapt. And eventually through, you know, growing an e-commerce business, uh, you know, to well over $10 million a year, we learned that, you know, we were better off doing fulfillment, but that meant we had to make one more brand, right? We had to make the brand for our fulfillment company. So, you know, we kind of took the lessons we learned from product branding and carried it over to service branding. That's amazing. And for e-commerce, tell us something that is very fundamental for people who have a brand or want to start an e-commerce brand, but don't even know what are the things that are waiting for them on the other side. Yeah, so so one of my favorite things to tell people when they get into e-commerce is to start with a small, lightweight, high-value item. So 
there's a lot of people, they have these ideas, these like grandiose ideas, and it's great to think big, right? It's great to do something innovative. But sometimes when you're just trying to get, you know, those practice laps in, you know, get some experience under your belt, it's good to take a, a small, proven, high-margin product and learn the ins and outs. Because it's a lot easier to, you know, store a whole bunch of luggage tags or socks or wallets or uh, flashlights in your garage than it is to store, you know, chairs or tables or and any big heavy things. It's also a lot easier to ship them if you're doing it yourself. If you're working with a fulfillment center, your cost will be lower. It's just easier to store, handle, ship. So what I usually recommend to people is small, lightweight, high value items, because at the end of the day, if you're selling something, there's gonna be hidden costs, right? You're gonna have to pay for advertising, you're gonna have to pay for storage, you're gonna have to pay for fulfillment. So it's important to make sure that you have plenty of profit margin on the item. And the best way to do that is to minimize your hidden costs. Exactly. That's a strong one. Another thing too that comes to mind is reviews. How does reviews and social proof play into your brand when you, especially for e-commerce today? So for me, reviews are number two, right? That's the number two most important thing. The most important thing, in my opinion, is photos and making your content legit, right? You want to have a good title, good description, great photos, because that's the experience, right? That's how people touch, feel, interact with your product. But reviews are number two. And what I like to tell people is don't be afraid to start close to home, right? If you're launching your first product on Amazon, there is no shame with selling the item, you know, your first customer being your friend or your neighbor or the guy from down the street, or the guy at the bar. Like, it's okay to sell to people you know first to get those initial reviews. Because your first sale got to come from somebody. It might as well be your own mother. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You know? And once you get that first sale, you get that first review, you get that second review, more sales will come, and then you'll get those other reviews. Because reviews are a seal of you know quality, a seal of approval. And that's what people want to see when they're shopping online. They first of all want to go, nice looking product, good description, seems like a legitimate brand. And then they want to go right to that review section and see what somebody had to say about your item. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it indifferent? And that's why I said, it's really important to make sure that you work within your network to get that first review. Because if your first review is a bad review, it can kill your entire product and in turn kill your entire business. Yeah, I think so too. Now, when people think about reviews and user-generated content, how does that play into branding? So I think that this comes down to experience, right? So customer experience is a big thing. It's a big topic. I think sometimes people beat it too hard. Um, you know, they, they, they beat that drum till you know, the cows come home. And it, it's important because from step one, step two, to step three, somebody's interacting with that product, right? So from the moment it arrives at that door, the customer experience begins. Right. So if you put that order in there, you click that box, it takes a long time to get there, customer experience is going down, it's becoming negative. The, the package arrives, it doesn't look good, the label's crooked, the box is beat, customer experience is going down. They open it, you know, it's hard to get this thing open, the packaging's a mess, you know, customer experience once again is becoming very negative so what i think is really important is to start at that click right start from the moment you get that click figure out how can i get this to my customer 
quickly, right? Most Americans at this point are thinking five day shipping. Some are thinking two day shipping. Some want it tomorrow. You know, and it really depends on what industry you in are in, what kind of product you are having, like what those expectations are. But it's important that you know those expectations and you meet those expectations. It's also important to make sure that you're designing both the packaging and the product from a branding perspective to be a good customer experience, right? The example everybody gives is Apple, but I think that's too much, right? When you get Apple, you know you got Apple, right? Like you open that box, it's got trays, it's got cartridges, it got booklets, it's got everything, everything you need from a branding perspective. Right. But a really good place to start is having a solid logo, having a clean looking packaging design, right? Making sure that everything is professional and, you know, starting with little touches, right? Like something like a hand signed note or getting a rubber stamp and stamping your brand on the box. Little touches are how you start with branding because Apple didn't get to the Apple, you know, by jumping right to the top, right? They started a garage. They sold 200 units. It's important to start at the garage start with that stamp start with that thank you note start with that little bit of extra touch and that's how you approach brand early because sometimes you can't afford a graphic designer to get the best package sometimes you can't afford to have a customer support survey follow up after the email so it's important to start small and grow from there yeah i think starting small and thinking big is is highly un I think it's underrated because people just yes. think that it's like, okay, I'll dream big and then I'll just get there and then we start thinking small after that. It's not, that's not how it's done. Right. So it's the same thing. Like you, you have a podcast, right? And when you started that podcast, you had to make that first episode. And that's the problem with a lot of people when they approach branding is they have so many ideas of what they want it to look like that they forget that they got to make that first product. They got to right. make that first sale. And it's really important to, you know, put out a good quality product at first, have a really good customer service, customer experience. But sometimes you just got to take that leap and put that first product out there. And it might only be 70% of what you want, but it's important to get started because you can always go from that starting point. But if you don't get started, you know, that's when you start to have problems because people have these big aspirations and then they get hung up on one or two things and it prevents what could have been a great brand from ever coming into existence. I believe so too. And it's all about that mental gain, that stability. Because you think about it, if you're selling t-shirts and somebody next door is selling t-shirts, why is your t-shirt going to sell more than his? Right. It's the good old Starbucks example, right? Right. Coffee, right? I can sell coffee for three bucks a cup. You can sell coffee for three bucks a cup. But until we start playing music and taking custom orders, putting up tables, nobody's Starbucks yet. And, it, it, and, th and that's really what we're at. Like with the t-shirt example, you and me can both sell red t-shirts. We can do it. But you can put some words on your t-shirt that make your t-shirt different from my t-shirt. And that little differentiating factor is what sells it. Think of a Nike t-shirt. That Nike t-shirt might just have a swoosh on it, but it's the same red t-shirt I'm selling. Probably came from the same factory in Bangladesh, but it just has the Nike swoosh on it. And that's right. the whole difference because Nike is standing behind it. Nike steel of quality, right? Nike customer experience, Nike lifestyle, Nike, 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 and that's it. 
but it's just the rubber stamp, right? It's like a rubber logo, vinyl logo on a t-shirt. But yet we put all that value behind it because that's the power of the brand. Exactly. Same thing with Supreme. Somebody will see a regular yeah. t-shirt, you know? Yeah. You got any of the bricks? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wanted to get one of those bricks just as like a paperweight for my desk. Right. Like 200 bucks. I'm like, no. <laughs> Exactly. It's all in the perception of the brand. And I think when people start to realize that, when people start talking about your brand in a way, it builds a character. There's an avatar. And it takes time to build an avatar. Yes. And that's the thing is, in order to get to the point where you're blown up on social media, the media is talking about you, you're in Walmart, somebody got to talk about you first, right? So you got to make that first fan who talks to five people. Those five people need to become fans and talk to five more people. Right. That's how you grow a fall. You don't just snap your fingers and go, I built this thing, it's awesome. Now the people are going to come find it. you got to go out there and make your feeds. And brands, branding is a good way to do that because branding can convey messages. Branding can convey meanings. Branding is the way you make a personal connection with people on top of that scene. Because people identify with brands, right? If I, if I look at something like, uh, you know, chubbies, I think a lot different kind of person would wear chubbies than Levi's, right? Mm. I picture a cowboy with the Levi's. I picture chubbies. I see a guy out on a boat out there in the bay fishing for the day. It, it's two entirely different images. And that's the power a brand has. Just by those words, you picture a different kind of person. And branding allows you to make that personal connection. It allows you to personify yourself. Exactly. And I think it takes time to build a brand too. But some people don't have the time to, to spend on that brand and build it. Now, when you think about e-commerce, there's this war about Shopify, Wix, and WordPress, and all these other platforms. Do they really matter? When, it, Of course, they don't when you think about the sales turnover. When you think about the, the development and the growth of a business, does this really matter? Um, whether you're on Shopify or Woo or BigCommerce, right. Squarespace or Wix, the, the list is endless. Yeah. Right. And I think to some degree it does. But I think if this is the thing that people are hung up on, it, it, it's the wrong thing to be hung up on. Because what's different about these things is the tools available to you, the options available, as well as the pricing models. And for different companies, different pricing models make sense. For different kinds of brands, you might like a template on Wix a lot more than you like a template on Shopify, or you might like a Shopify template a lot more than a big commerce template. I personally recommend that if you're gonna be looking at, you know, different kinds of uh, platforms to build your business upon, different shopping, shopping carts. I would definitely look into all the major ones. So that would be Shopify, Big Commerce, Google Commerce, and maybe some of the smaller guys, you know, like Squarespace or Wix or, uh, you know, those kind of places because it's important to just know what your options are because the more options you have, the more ability you have to make a decision that's impactful and intelligent. Yeah, I think so too. And this really brings me to the next point, which is about building a mailing list and building a committed community that is loyal to your product, even though you're not selling to them, they're still active. Could you tell us more about how that process goes? 
Yeah, so something we've done here is, is, is we have a YouTube channel. We actually just broke 2,000 subscribers today, so I'm hey, excited about that. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but we have that going. We're also involved in the community. Uh, you know, we put on different events. We're going to have like a job fair and like cookout out, out, outside here next month. Nice. Real excited for that. But, you know, we do these different things to integrate ourselves, make us more than a brand. Because at the end of the day, if you're just somebody who puts things in boxes, there's 20 of them. If you're a guy who makes t-shirts, there's 20 of them. It, there, there's countless people that are doing what you're doing. And it's about how you stand apart. And community involvement is really how you do it. Building a following, getting people to back you, right? Maybe they're backing something you're doing. Maybe you're donating money to something that is a cause that people believe in. And maybe they don't even have to buy something. Maybe they can just get involved with you with the cause. So, like, a company that comes to mind for me is United by Blue here in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, United by Blue, they clean up local creeks and watersheds uh, for every pair of clothing you buy, every shoe, every shirt, every hat. But you can also volunteer with them. So they have people that are not customers that volunteer to go out and clean with them. And this is how they get people involved. This is how they get people into their brand. You know, like I said, we do a lot of educational content. We run a blog, we run a YouTube channel, we speak at conferences. We do different things to bring people in, talk to them, give them free information because we think the best way to, you know, have people follow your brand and want to work with you is to come out, give them quality information, interact with them, and show them that you care, right? Because at the end of the day, we want people to succeed and having that message as a brand, right? Going outside of product and being like am i going to have a community am i going to market myself some uh some kind of gorilla style something that's not normal am i going to go out there and back some sort of charity what am i going to do to give my brand more meaning than just the shirt just a pair of shoes uh just a, a facial hair line you know what can i do to make myself more than just a product Exactly. And some people think that having that following is not important, but I think the moment you're able to have someone speak for you because you said something about what you did is so beautiful because other people want to hear your story from someone else, not from you. Yeah. Well, like I said, it, it's, the, it's the same thing I said before. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. And the problem with a lot of these things we're talking about, with branding, especially branding outside of the products, right? Like other causes or events or, you know, other things, these extracurriculars as they call it. Right. The importance of these is that you're going to grow a following. You're going to grow a loyal following. You're going to grow a fan base, people who talk about you, people who share that buzz, people who follow you on social media. But it takes time. It takes a lot of investment before that crop grows, right? You're yeah. going to spend a lot of time watering those seeds before you get to eat. And a lot of people don't have a year. They don't have two years to invest in building a following or supporting a cause or driving home a message. But what I can tell you is if you get started now, when you decide three months later that maybe I should have done that, you're already three months ahead. Right. So, so like I said, it's all about just starting, doing something, being bold, do, being yourself, creating something special, and just going out and doing it. Because 
doing it is the most important part of branding. Exactly. And you see how Nike is? They just do it. <laughs> so it's yeah, just... just do it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly because you want to be part of something you want to be associated with it you know if it's apple amazon name it you know you want to be part of that story yeah no I, I, I mean that's the thing is you know you just look around it's like i'm wearing nike shoes i'm talking to you on an apple computer like all these things that are like synonymous with branding are around us every day and there's a reason we chose to buy those right there's a reason why i didn't just buy whatever shoes were on sale on the Walmart clearance rack. Right. Right. I went to the store and I made a conscious decision. Hey, let's get some Nike fly knits. Why did I get Nike fly knits? Well, because I thought they looked cool. One, two, I wanted to associate myself with the Nike brand because everybody knows they're a quality shoe. And, you know, I want people to know that I'm not just wearing Joe Blow shoe, you know, <laughs> right. and, and you just start thinking about all these things. And all of a sudden you see that like I put Nike on a pedestal and they never had to call me. They never had to reach out to me. They never had to drag me and pull me into the store or give me a free sample. I willingly was like, I want to be part of this. And that's the power of the brand. I think so too. And with branding, one thing I want to ask too is about advertising because that's really where your conversion value kicks in your KPIs what are those things that you want to work on? And some brands and e-commerce brands don't have that budget, but they, they really want to make that, that count. So what can they do? So there's always free advertising. People really, really, really just, they, they don't pay enough attention to the free opportunities in front of them. Right. We got things like Reddit. We got things like YouTube. We got things like Facebook. These are things that companies that were started 50 years ago didn't have access to and yes it's a grind to build a fall but it's also free right right it's free 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 and that's my favorite price right <laughs> so obviously I, I want to throw out that the other mistake companies make when they're looking at ads is they just put up barriers for no reason right so if i'm looking at buying ads i might think for some reason i can give 30 percent of the purchase price to ads I, there's no reason why I came up with that number. It just stuck to my head. It sounded good. I was like, I'm still making $2. But at the end of time, I, I, I but at the end of everything, I have a really good story about this. I was selling water bottles on Amazon and I was buying ads. It got to the point where my ad cost of sale was negative. No I was way. paying money to have people buy water bottles. Like I was losing $1.50 a water bottle to get people to buy these. But what happened was my sales velocity increased so high that I got the top 100 of water bottles on Amazon and the organic traffic overtook the ad spend. So spending $10,000, $15,000 a month on ads on water bottles actually resulted in 500 organic sales to 150 sales that I was losing money on. Mm. So I started making money. What I would see when I logged into my uh, ad management software was you lost $2 a sale on all your sponsored products. You know, we suggest lowering the ad budget. But what I learned was I sell a water bottle, I lose $2. But 
But then there's three organic bottles bought in that place because my sales velocity is so high. And then when I go, when I turn that ad spend down, the sales velocity would start to slow again. And I'd only sell, you know, a couple bottles. I dropped the 200. So sometimes you need to think about, is this advertising doing more than what I can see? It's like the old example of a billboard. You'll never know who saw that billboard. Yeah. You'll never know how many times they saw that billboard before they called you. The same thing's true with advertisements. Somebody can go on Amazon, they can look at those water bottles, go, eh, I don't want them today. And then three weeks later, they go, you know what, I'm buying those water bottles. But you'll never know that, right? You'll never know the value of Amazon increasing your rank by 50 because you sold an extra 15 units through ads this week. Right. These are all like hidden values that the only way you're going to discover them is to play around, experiment, try different things. But it's important to always sit there, always learn, right? Always learn, always evaluate, always crunch the numbers and figure out, is there something I can do to be better? Mm, exactly. And I think being better is what makes your company more accessible and more engaging because you don't look like the same old sticky wall that has nothing to change on it and everybody knows what you're doing without you impacting them in return. Right. It's like I said, you can perfectly fine sell a red t-shirt, right? You can sell red t-shirts all day for $20, boring old pictures, no branding, and people will still buy them. But a lot more people are going to buy that Nike shirt. Why? There's not just cool photos of the shirt and got that logo. There's pictures of people using the shirt, Yeah. Right? There's maybe a video where they're like, Nike, just do it. Like, you know, like professional athletes everywhere, choose Nike. You know, and then they have all this branded content, all that stuff built out. And all that stuff is adding value you can't see in the numbers. And that's what makes branding hard, is you can't conceptualize the value of it until you discover. Mm -hmm. Because you can sit there and you can do branding right for six months, eight months, a year, and never know exactly how much better you're doing because of it. But I can tell you, branding will not hurt you. exactly branding will definitely not hurt you i think it's more of the psychology of color and the emotion that you give when someone thinks about your brand when you think about chick-fil-a when you think about popeyes you think about two different signals and it's like it's like you didn't ask for it but it happened right right no but they both sell you a chicken sandwich it's they're selling the same thing but you have two different views of what that experience should look like right you have different expectations of who works at each one. You have different experiences of what going through the drive-thru is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Right? The buildings look different. The menus are laid out completely different. Right? So, so every time you go, the first thing I think of Chick-fil-A is my pleasure. Exactly. Right, right away. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. And that's deliberate. Right? That, that's the first thing I think of. When I think of Popeyes, the first thing I think of is that batter, right? I just think of the batter. Right. The batter is everything at Popeyes, right? Mm-hmm. Like that spicy batter is, it, it, it's it's everything. And I, I don't really think about the employees or, or the experience there. But when I think of Chick-fil-A, I think more of the experience and more of the, you know, you know my pleasure. I don't think of the chicken sandwich as much. But when I go to Popeye's, I'm thinking 
guys. I'm thinking about the seasoning. I'm thinking Cajun spices. Right. It's a different thought process. And you have two people who have approached this entirely different, right? Popeyes is leading with food. They're like, you're here for the food. The food was great. Louisiana fast, Louisiana flavor. And then you got Chick-fil-A, and they're leading with service. They're leading with experience. I mean, they, they ran an ad the other day. I saw it on TV, and I almost laughed, where they were interviewing somebody who had a tire change in a Chick-fil-A parking lot by an employee. I went, man, they're about to become pet boys now. <laughs> breaks down, is going to take their car to you know, Chick-fil-A for help. Exactly. The thing is, this shows you two different things. Popeye showed me a picture of a chicken sandwich. I'm getting hungry. And Chick-fil-A is telling me they're going to change my tire if I need it. Like, two completely different brands that are both killing it in very different ways. Exactly. And I think it all boils down to identity. So you can, you can definitely stand out, but you need to know what you're standing for. Right. And that's, that's the other trap branding, right? Is, like I said, you want to just do something. You want to get out there. You want to, you want to push. But there is such a thing as doing too much, right? You can't be two things at once, right? Especially if they're conflicting things. Yeah. You got to find what you're good at and master that, right? Because everybody has something that they're good at, something that they're passionate about, something that they care about. And that's where you need to focus because that's where your unique sphere of genius is, right? That sphere of genius is where you are king. You have, you know, you're the best in the world at it. Or, you know, somebody who cares about this thing immensely. And that gives you an edge against everybody else. Exactly. Right? That's where you win. That's not where somebody else wins. That's where, you know, you as an individual stand out from everybody else. Exactly. And I would love people to know if you can give them three quick hot tips for brands with e-commerce and i know that's something that you're able to give us you know just to grace this podcast today and just see where they can take this information and get better and come back and be like yeah thank you bill for saying that (laughs) so my first tip would be consistency right so if you're a brand you want to be consistent right you don't want to go by 15 different names you don't want to sell a wide array of products you don't want to change up your color styles on every different kind of packaging. Stay consistent. Use the same name, right? Use your trade name over and over again. Pound that thing home, right? It's a brand. It's to be proud of it. Put it on everything, right? Make sure your colors are consistent. If you want to be known for being associated with the color blue, keep your packaging blue. Don't change it to 15 different colors because nobody's going to know what color is associated with that brand. You know, if, if you're somebody who's selling phone chargers, you don't want to sell toilet chargers. They right. don't go together. You want to stay in that same ecosphere, that sphere of genius that I was just talking about. If you want to be known for phone chargers and phone accessories, stay in that department. And this is this is my big tip, because when you try to do too much, like I said earlier, things get messy. And the best thing you can do to build a brand is be consistent, right? Develop that logo. Develop that trademark. Right. Develop your own color scheme. Develop a way you lay out a box. Develop a certain number of products within one product line that you are known for, and then expand from there. Just stay focused and stay on brand. That's tip one. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Tip tip two for branding, right? Yeah. Would be to. Um, Tip, tip two for branding 
would be pay a little bit of extra money, it's worth it. Uh, and I mean, and I mean, do that all over the place, right? Don't take photos with your, your home digital camera and then put it on your box. Pay a professional photographer, right? right? He, even like the local guy at the photo studio down the street has a better camera, better lighting than you do. Throw him a couple bucks. Do what you can. Spend money on logo design, right? Go, go. There's great people on Fiverr, right? Obviously, you know, you can go out and you can go spend $300, $400 on logo design at a firm and it'll be great. And some people should do that because those firms are great. They offer a boutique service and things like that. Right. But sometimes you can get away with spending $25 on Fiverr, getting, you know, getting work samples from three people and picking the thing you like. But at the same time, don't sit down on Microsoft Paint and think that you're the expert on branding. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, when you're developing packaging, maybe you spend a little extra money for the color box. It'll pop. Yeah. Right? That color box is going to photograph a lot better than that brown box. Right? Maybe you spend a little more on padding to prevent damage when you're shipping. Right? Because an angry customer is a customer who things are broken. So, you know, there's a lot of ways where you can just spend a couple extra dollars. Go that extra little step, and it's going to give your brand a lot more power than if you just tried to do everything on your own. That's great. And then my third tip yeah. would be start at home, right? And it sounds really simple. I said this earlier on. Sell to your friends. Sell to your family, Right? Drive to your first couple packages to the post office. Even if you plan on going to the fulfillment center or working, you know, with Amazon or something like that, feel what it feels like to pack something. Feel like it feels like to take it to the post office. Feel that sense of pride, right? Because once you learn how to package your product, you're going to have a lot more insight into what goes into it, what kind of costs are in there. It's going to make you a more knowledgeable business, right? And, you know, when you're at home, you can do social media, you can do all different kinds of marketing, you can do all this from your garage. You don't have to go out and hire a big firm, you don't have to go out there and, you know, tackle the world by yourself when you're just starting out. Yeah. Start small, start your garage, focus on that one brand, like I said, and kill it. Do it yourself. Take, take on that thing because you are the best in the world. Like I said, at the thing that you know the most about. Exactly. Right? You are the king of your own world, right? You, you, if you're developing a product, nobody knows that product but you. You're, you're the master of your own universe. You're the master of your own destiny. And it's important in the beginning to take on that responsibility wholeheartedly yourself. Because you're the only one who cares as much as you do. Exactly. That's a punchline right there. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I just believe so. <laughs> Nobody cares more about you than you. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think even with, with what you've mentioned, it's so monumental and so vital for today, especially for people who are starting businesses. You know, you go on YouTube, you go on TikTok, you see people are making thousands of dollars with, with e-commerce, and you're wondering, how do these guys, are they drop shipping or are they sleeping overnight? Like, what are they actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, well, that's the thing. Is like, I, I even... I even fell victim to it myself. So funny side story. I started a YouTube channel on my own, a personal YouTube channel, where I was taking a goat 
for fast food restaurants. I thought this thing was going to blow up. I had merchandise planned. I had everything. And nobody watched it. And I was like, it's a goat eating Big Macs in the back of a Ford Focus. Like, this is hilarious. Why aren't people watching this? Right. And it just goes to show that, you know, overnight success does happen to some people, right? But it, for most people, it doesn't. Even if you have a great idea, right? You got to work at it. You got to grind at it, you know? Maybe that idea would have panned out if I put, you know, more effort into it. And I made it like a multi-year project. And, you know, this was what I did. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people go for that quick winning because you see it all the time on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You see it all the time on Instagram. You see these people who just seem to blow up overnight. But that's not how things go. Like, if you look at this business, we started out in the retail space back in 1984. And then after the retail space started to fizzle out, we went into e-commerce. And then we had some issues with e-commerce and Amazon. And, you know, we were building these brands. But the money really wasn't there. And we went into logistics because we had the assets already in place for that. And that was where our strengths really were, right, was in logistics. So we made that pivot again. So if you look at this and you go, this is a company that's been around for 40 years. And they've had to change their business model four times to adapt to things, to change. So you don't get to run, you know, a fulfillment center because you have this idea in your sleep one right it evolves it grows it, it, it comes from years and years of building something and working on something and growing something and the same thing's true with e-commerce and branding right yeah. like you have these viral products that blow up overnight you have these influencers who gain stardom for just yelling cash me outside how about that right right <laughs> and, and this happens to people Pete, this happens all the time and we think it's this common occurrence but it's not most people who get where they are work for it right they, they devote their lives to this they sometimes quit their jobs and like grind away at this for three four five years before they ever have any success let alone you know viral fame so i think it's important to realize that you are not alone if you are somebody out there on the grind you're somebody you know trying really hard to break out have success you are not alone there's a lot of other people doing that and a lot of the people who succeed did exactly what you are doing now. They're grinding. Because you gotta grind before you thrive. Exactly. You gotta grind before you thrive. That's a fact. That's a big fact. And you mentioned something too just now that just really made me start thinking about teams when you said alone. When is that right time for someone? And there's always never a right time if you think about everything in perspective, but when, when do you move the needle to now start having a team when your, your stores and your orders become really overwhelming? So I, 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 I interpret team as two different things. Okay. Right. There, there's two definitions of team. You have partners, right? Like somebody that you work with on a daily basis who contributes to what you do. And the two of you or three of you or four of you work together as a team to accomplish a shared goal. But you also have team in the more modern sense, right? So, for example, Shipmate could be on your team, right? You could create this entire backlog of uh, an entire roster of industry professionals from various industries who work for you, right? We live in a world where you get a remote assistant who works in another country. So you can work with somebody who 
design your product, you can work with somebody who will design your packaging, you can work with somebody who will receive it from China off the boat, and you can, at this point in this world, manage something all by yourself, all by yourself, without ever touching it, without ever seeing it. And you can add these people to your roster, to your team, and build something out virtually where you are still the guy calling the shots and you're all alone, but you can do it by yourself. Now, I think there is value in working with others. I think there's value in having a partner, in having multiple partners, people who go about this journey with you, because I wouldn't be anywhere without my team here, but for some people, there's always a pro and a con to having people on your team. When you have people on your team, they have opinions. And sometimes those opinions are good, sometimes those opinions are bad. Sometimes you value those opinions, sometimes you don't value those opinions. And what happens is when you add people to your team, you're now giving somebody else permission to add input into your vision and your dream. And sometimes they can take your dream and elevate it, and other times they can take your dream and crush it. So it's important to remember when you're adding somebody to your team that they are bringing something to the table that you value or that you find attractive. You're not just bringing them on to bring somebody on or because you feel like you're a little, you know, shorthanded at the moment. You want to bring on quality people who enhance your vision, not detract from it. Exactly. That's a big one. I, I definitely resonate with that because... When you think about partnerships and remote contractual jobs, you just want to get the job done. You don't want to hold anybody down, you know, and and that's when you can really think about expansion, which is almost everybody's dream. Right. That, and that's, that's the real dream is being able to focus on the things you do best and outsourcing the rest. Exactly. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And the thing is, there are certain things that I am very good at, right? I'm very good at talking to people. I'm very good at putting together social media campaigns. I'm very good at making videos. I'm very good at, you know, you know, going to events and meeting lots of people and talking to them. But there are a lot of things I'm not very good at, right? Like you you don't want me to be the guy who's designing that packaging. Or it's gonna look like a kindergarten, right? <laughs> like it's gonna look like a bad fourth grade art. So you don't want me doing that, and I recognize that. So what I do is I have other people that I have on my team who take care of that. And that's really where team building comes in. It's about being honest with yourself, evaluating your strengths and your weaknesses, and looking at somebody else and evaluating their strengths and weaknesses, and finding out if they add value to what you're doing, and that they enhance your dream. Because if you can find somebody who's good at the things you're not good at, who shares your dream and shares your passion, you have a match made in heaven, right? But if you start adding a bunch of repetitive skill sets and everybody has 40 million different opinions, you're going nowhere fast. I think so too. It takes a lot of courage and boldness to actually accept that. And, right. and when you do that wholeheartedly, I think the right people will come and your customers will come too. That's something a lot of people, you know, forget about is with branding, right? If you're doing branding right, you're going to look like a real brand. You're going to look like a real product. And once you start treating your customers right, you follow through with that customer service, you follow through with delivering a good product, people are going to talk. It's going to spread, right? And eventually...
eventually you're going to get some traction. And that's, that's what it really comes down to, is once you do everything right, and you keep doing everything right, people are going to take notice. And people are going to want to be part of that, whether it's as an employee on your team or somebody buying that product or using that product. People are going to notice you're doing something right, and they're going to want to be a part of that. Exactly. And I love branding and e-commerce because you can do it at the convenience of your home, like you said. And I think with e-commerce, one of the things that affects, I don't use the word affects, that impacts people is if they can be conveniently satisfied by the brand that they want to associate themselves with. Yeah, I mean, convenience is huge. And I mean, that's something that really came out of this pandemic. Yeah. Especially for me was that there was a lot of things that are very convenient that I were not taking advantage of that I had total access to, right? I could have for years been placing my order at Dunkin' Donuts for my cell phone and just walking in and picking up a bag. Right. right? I could have been doing that for years. I could have been having clothes mailed to my house instead of going to the store. Could have been doing that for years, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't. For some reason, I didn't really trust that convenience. And now with e-commerce, right, you have the ability to be on the same shelf, right, metaphorically speaking, as the world's largest brands, right? Your shirt can be up there next night. You both are on the internet. You both can pay for, uh, you know, Google ads. You're on an equal standing with some of the world's largest brands. The internet's the great equalizer. And that's what makes e-commerce great, is it's convenient, but it allows you to be in the same place as the big guys. You're all in the same pond now, and you can compete just like they can right and you can tell a completely different message and something i really wanted to throw out there especially because we're talking about branding and e-commerce and we're talking with a lot of small business owners is the david versus goliath narrative right everybody loves a good david versus goliath everybody roots for david right people love underdogs in sports everybody wants loyola chicago to win right like they see Sister Jean and they're like, yeah, Sister Jean. Like, people love underdogs. People love Davids, right? And when you get out there and you do a good job and you stand a chance, people will root for you. People will cheer for you. People will back you. Because at the end of the day, you're real. They identify with you. Yeah. You're somebody just like them selling a product. You're making something for people just like you. And that resonates with a lot of people. And it's like I said, everybody loves a good David versus Goliath. So get out there and use that momentum to your advantage because it's there. You just got to claim it. Exactly. This is one of the things that I resonate with the most because when you are confident in yourself and you know who you believe in, then there's really no doubt because like you said, there's, there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on when people think about Oh, they're not going to like this picture. Oh, this picture is too saturated. You know, oh, it's too blurry. You know, people think so much and you see artists dropping blurry pictures or pictures of their cat and they're getting a million likes, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, and that's the thing is you, you use the word imposter syndrome. But like I've, hear, I've heard the statement, dare to be great. But I've also heard you might be your own biggest fan, but a lot of people are their own biggest critic. Right? Right. So it's important to not just be your own biggest critic. You got to be your own biggest fan too. Because 
At the end of the day, when you wake up, you're with yourself. When you go to bed, you're with yourself. You're the only person who does not leave you throughout the day. And that translates over to your brain as well. You know, it's important to be critical. It's important to, you know, assess yourself accurately and, you know, not, uh, you know, overinflate yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, it's okay to dare to be great. It's okay to be you. It's okay to like you. It's okay to get out there and go, you know what? My brand is pretty awesome. That photo's not 100%. But you know what? Full send. Let's send it. Let's get it out there. Let's get a sale going. Let's tell people about this. Let's share that. Let's 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 just dare to be great, right? Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's let's get it out there. And and it's like I said, sometimes you're your own worst critic, right? I look at things I make all the time, and I go, why did I make that? And then I see the likes come, and I go, oh, but people actually like that. Wow. Oh, man, four thousand people watched that video. I thought that was terrible. And you start to realize that sometimes you need to lighten up on yourself because at the end of the day, you're your own biggest fan and you're your own biggest critic. You got to choose which one to be that day. Exactly. And every day has a choice and you have to make that every single time. <laughs> every single time you wake up. I, I, I heard something on the radio though, at the beginning of the pandemic and I've tried to live my life by that. So, so it's like one of those rare occurrences where you just have a moment you're fixated on and you're like, this changed my life. And somebody was on the radio talking about mental health. And they said, when you wake up, the most important moment of the day is those first five minutes. And if you wake up that day and you tell yourself why it's about to be a great day, that day is going to be instantly better. Because you can, within five minutes, tell yourself why today is going to be great. Today is going to be great because I get to work on my own brain. Today is going to be great because I get to introduce a new product. Today is going to be great because I'm changing my ad strategy and it's going to work this time. You know, like, you can wake up every morning and make a decision that morning that you're going to do something that makes that day great, that makes that day spectacular, that makes you leave that day feeling fulfilled and you get to make that choice every morning and uh, once i started waking up every morning and promising myself that i was going to do one thing that day just one thing and i accomplished that thing i feel like a million bucks but it's also important to remember if you do this you're only going to accomplish that one thing sometimes 90 percent of the time and that's okay too but once i started thinking about just trying to do one thing great a day it really put everything into perspective. It really helped me zero in on what's important, both in life and at work. And I feel like I've done a lot of great things and made a lot of great decisions, purely because I woke up in the morning and went, today is going to be great because blank. I think so. It's all in the mind. And it's it's what you ask, is that's what you get. If you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't receive, you don't cry. <laughs> so it's all that reciprocity going on and you have to really be part of the process to gain. Right, and that's what I said. It, 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 it all comes down to, at the end of the day, consistency, messaging, right? Building something that you're proud of that stands for what you want it to stand. Because at the end of the day, like I said, you're the master of your own destiny. And branding starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with your vision. It starts with your ideation, right? Your, your products. It's about you. 
The brand is an extension of you. And it's important that when you recognize that, you invest in the brand like you invest in yourself, right? People learn new skills. People go to school. People, uh, you know, do a job training program. People uh, learn a new technique or invest in a new service, right? People are always bettering themselves. But the brand is a living, breathing thing, just like a person, right? Yeah. It's something that can always be changing, always be growing, always be nurturing. And sometimes that change is slow. I mean, if you look at NBA is a great example, right? Since we're on the whole Nike thing, right? The logos of those teams in the last 80 years are almost unrecognizable what they were 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you, you know what? They've evolved with the times. They've changed with the times. Yeah. The brand is modernized. The brand has expanded. Like it's ever changing, ever evolving, and that's okay. And that's the same thing with your brand, right? Your brand is gonna look a lot different in five years from what it looks today. And that's okay. And you're gonna look back at that brand that you put on that first packaging and you're gonna be like, oh man, why did I do that? But you know what? That's how you get started. That's how you learn. You learn by failing. I failed, let me count here. I think I'm up to 14 brands that have gone kaput. Mm. That just completely and totally blew up failed. And I've made two that I'm very proud of. And those two brands that I'm very proud of are significantly stronger because of the lessons I've learned in those 14 brands that have just you know, gone nowhere. I mean, if you guys want to see something sad, Google Viasonic Iron on YouTube. I did a Christmas commercial. I tried to do like a, you know, a, uh, what's his name? Bill, uh, what, Pitchman. What's his name? Oh, man. I... Billy Mays. I tried to do my Billy Mays, you know, order now. Go to, you know, ViasonicIron.com. And I didn't sell a single iron. I made a couple hundred dollars to make a video put all the ads behind it. I was like, this is going to sell iron. <laughs> I look back on that and I'm like, that was a terrible idea. But you know what? I did. I learned, you know, and that really influenced a lot of things. That really changed how I viewed a lot of things. It was a big learning experience. Yeah. You know, and, and it's important to learn from these failures because you're going to have failures in branding. You're going to have failures in e-commerce. You're going to have failures in life. And those failures are all moments where you get to take home a lesson. See, we, we have a saying around here every time we screw up at shipping. And it's, we just bought an education, right? You, you waste a bunch of money trying something that doesn't work. What did you get? You didn't get nothing. You got an education, right? People pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to college. So what's the difference if you pay somebody $5,000 to try something new? And it doesn't work out, and you learn some lessons from that. Right. Those lessons could be well worth that $5,000 risk you took. Mm-hmm. And it's important to learn through your failures. And I think it's also great that you mentioned about failing, and it applies to failing forward. Yes. Yeah. Failing backwards is a bad thing. Very bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's like backstroke swimming. You just don't want to go back. And it's like falling, right? If you fall forward, you can catch yourself with your hands. But if you fall backwards... Good luck. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just got to know what stroke, where you want to go, and how you want to yeah. place that. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Wow. 
Wow, branding and e-commerce, these are the best practices for people to take in knowledge, make sure you'll be able to understand what to do with your business and do it the right way. This has been great, Bill. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I I really enjoyed this. Oh, oh yeah? Thank you. I appreciate that. It's one of my favorites. Hey, that, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> if there's any way they can reach out to you, they'll probably want to start their shipment today. If they like, what is the what's the next big thing? Yeah, so so the, the next big thing is checking us out at shipmatefulfillment.com, right? So shipmatefulfillment.com, you can find a lot of information there, uh, learn more about us, about our services we offer. Um, but I really want to encourage you guys to check out our YouTube channel, Shipmate Fulfillment on YouTube. Right, we have a lot of great content there, a lot of educational stuff, a lot of how-tos. It can really help you out if you're starting out in e-commerce and you're looking to grow. Uh, you know, we have everything from building pallets on there to strategies about how to grow your Amazon store. So check it out. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, you guys better check this out right after this podcast. Thank you so much, Bill, once yeah, no, again. Thank you so much. I, 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 like I said, I had a great time. Wish you and your listeners the best. Thank you so much. And definitely we'll bring you back here next time. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome.